Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome. Welcome. There they are. Welcome to our February show. This is a special show because we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day, but we're also going to discuss the theme of love, which permeates Valentine's Day. But before we do our love talk, let's start off with my honorable mentions for February. Lots of birthdays. I start off with Emma Roberts, who I want to thank particularly for reaching out to me on Valentine's Day. I had connected with with Emma in 2019, actually May of 2019, when I spoke at ASU's School of Health Sciences commencement, and she was in the audience, and her mother, Catherine Roberts, is an old friend of mine from Mayo Clinic. She's a radiologist. So Emma graduated there, and uh, about two months later, I graduated and became a, a widow. So it's interesting how we were linked in that year of 2019. But Emma was so thoughtful to send me a piece of wood art that's going to apply to, to today's show, and in it, it's a heart-shaped piece of wood and she's emblazoned on it. Those we love don't go away. They walk beside us every day. So thank you, Emma, for that. And I also wish you, you had a great birthday on February 1st. You lead off our February 1st babies. The other February birthdays are Dr. Bernard Bendock, who's been on our show before, Linda Johnston in Colorado, Susie Wiley, Trudy Hammond, Allison Zimmerman, who just had a birthday, Patricia Logan, whose birthday's today, Carol Spetman, also her birthday's today. Happy birthday, Carol. Katie McCullough, who's on the East Coast. Joseph Whitewolf is having a birthday Friday in Sedona. Jim McDowell. My beloved husband, John, who's passed, uh, will be having a birthday in heaven on February 21st. And that was the last show we did together here in studio was in 2019, February 21st on his birthday, where we talked about the power of partners and what beautiful marriages do and what they're about. Also sharing John's birthday are Rob Harden in Texas, Michael Kaiser uh, in South Carolina, Robert McGann, who shares grandchildren with me. He is my daughter-in-law, Aaron's father. Also Arizona State Treasurer Kimberly Yee has a February birthday. Happy birthday, Kimberly. Sandy Scarcella, happy birthday. We have anniversaries this year, particularly Ray and Maddie Williams celebrate their 54 years of marriage. Congratulations. And then we have an angelversary next week. Mal Mackey celebrates his first year in heaven, and he has the wonderful anniversary number of 22222. So that means a lot, especially to his widow, Sandra, who's here. So the end of last month, January, I celebrated my birthday, and I want to thank all my friends and family and those who sent me flowers, cards, and gifts, I want to send a special thank you to my friend Tom Scaglioni, who's listening in. He sent me a really poignant email, and this is especially meaningful because his wife Lisa passed away this month, two years ago, of cancer. She would have celebrated her birthday two days before Valentine's Day, and so I was thinking about her a lot this month. So Tom sent me this email, and he writes so beautifully, and I wanted to share it with you because it talks about getting older, about birthdays, which I really think are a gift. So Tom writes, Dear Connie, like it or not, we're into what the many Eastern people believe to be the age of wisdom. Your birthday is a good time to contemplate and celebrate the manifold successes that you've created out of your talent, intelligence, and hard work. Not necessarily to consider leaving the arena of achievement and recognition, but to invest more time in finding what really makes you happy and simply doing more of whatever that is. The mantra of my life is to try to follow my bliss. I found it abundantly in my life partner, Lisa, and I still have a measure of it in my life, especially in my friends, children, and grandchildren. The arc of our lives is to grow and to decline. No one gets to live at the top of the mountain for all of their life. It's wisdom to learn how to enjoy the journey, no matter the ups and downs and where you are right now. There's a quote I recently read, to be able to look back upon one's life in satisfaction is to live twice. However, tomorrow's satisfaction comes from enjoying today. Wisdom is making the choice to live our best life 
making new memories and following our bliss. So happy birthday. I think that's such a wise email that he sent. And I think that's got such a great message about following our bliss and what it takes. And I always see that, especially having been a widow for two and a half years, where I used to define my bliss as what was epitomized in one person, was the one I love, the love of my life. And it's painful, and it's even more painful when we have days like Valentine's Day, like we did a few years, a few days ago, when you get usually get flowers and a card and a special gift and a dinner and just being with the one you love. And so February 14th this past week was Valentine's Day. And what about Valentine's Day? I always find it interesting where these, these holidays come from. It originated as a Christian feast that honored one or two early Christian martyrs who were named St. Valentine. Do you all, does anyone know that? It was from St. Valentine. Through later folk traditions, they became a significant cultural, religious, and commercial celebration of romance and love throughout the world. What I find interesting and ironic is that the holiday of love came about because of death, because of two people who were martyrs for their cause. They died in the name of what they believe in. And so you have love and death intertwined. And so that really touches us now as we, we have this show about the theme is love never dies. And that's why I have my widow friends here to talk about that and to honor the loves we had. I've been blessed to have had lots of titles in my life. I've had the titles of doctor, naval officer, rear admiral, businesswoman, author, talk show host. But the titles I really cherish are those of wife, mother, divorcee, remarried woman, happily remarried woman, and then two and a half years ago, sadly, widow. These are titles that have been life-changing, but none of them as dramatic and as painful as that of being a widow. As a widow, I'm definitely not alone. I'm part of the club most members never wanted to join. Since women live longer in this country, age catches up with us and creates a surplus of women since we often outlive our husbands. Today, there are over 13.6 million widows in America. Uh, there are about 3 million widowers. So it's uh, the guys have their choice, right, if they're looking for widows among the widowers. Each year in the United States, there are about 700,000 women become widows. In my studio, I have... Five of us who are widows, they're part of my Girls in the Hood or the Girls in the Widowhood Club. Somebody suggested that perhaps it should be called Widows Gone Wild. I think that's a reality show. Maybe we'll pitch to Netflix. But one of the things we, we will agree upon is that our friends get us through our grief and our recovery from our husband's death. It's interesting. It does take a village to get you through the painful <clears throat> times. You know, you lose one person and you need so many people to help you get through losing that one person. And it shows you how important, how loved they were. The most comforting friendships, I really believe, are your, from your fellow widows because they can cry with you. They totally get it. I want to share a little bit. Listening into this show from her home in France is a fellow widow friend, Debbie Eller. I never met Debbie personally. <clears throat> I met her husband in Paris when my husband John and I visited there about 10 years ago. We were having breakfast in a hotel in Paris. Reed was a pilot. He came down and sat with us, introduced himself, and we found out he was from Carefree, Arizona, and he owned a hangar at Sky Ranch, and then John was looking for a hangar. So my husband and Reed Eller decided to buy a hangar together. They shared Reed's hangar. So John became a partner. So John died in 2019, and as we are getting ready to liquidate assets, which widows do, uh, I reached out to Reed Eller, only to find out he had died a year later of cancer. So I connected with his widow, widow, his widow, Debbie, who's delightful. She was in San Francisco at their home there. So we, we settled the estate issues with the hangar because we sold it. And then we became really good friends. We vowed to meet together in the future, <laughs> either at my place in Sedona or her place in France, in the south of France. So it's really good to have widow friends who have homes in the south of France. So, Debbie, I will come out and visit you in a year or two. Uh, we'll definitely go to Paris, and I'll come visit you in your home. But I don't have to go to France to meet a widow friend. Again, I have them here in Arizona. And I'm blessed to have them in my studio today, my girls in the hood, my, my sisters in widowhood. 
and I'm going to introduce them briefly, and then we're going to we're going to ask them some questions. They're going to share about their journey because I think there's so many lessons we can learn about life and love. I I look at couples, and I always think the sad reality is sooner or later one of you two is going to be left behind, and one of you usually is the spouse, will be left behind. How are you going to get through that, right? And I tell wives, there are days you just want to kill your husband, but just pause because you are going to miss him. You will miss those things that really tick you off. So just don't beat up on him. Be a little bit patient. Forgive him and move on. So in studio, I have Sandra Mackey, my widow sister. She was on my show in December where she talked about her journey She's a former business owner, and she works in management of the American Express. Next week on February 22, she will celebrate her husband Mel's one-year angelversary. Beside her is Nancy Pachuco. She came from New York to Arizona 40 years ago. She counsels teenagers during the day, and by night, she's on her yoga mats, and she's passionate about health and wellness. She has two incredible children and four and a half, I love that, four and a half amazing grandchildren. Her husband, Angelo, uh, whose photographs are here in studio today, because I've asked the gals to bring their husband's photos. Angelo passed away on April 24, 2016. And, and Nancy was there taking care of him. He died in her arms. She took care of him throughout that entire time as he was dying. Debbie Synagoga lost her husband, Richard, to cardiac arrest in October 2016. We actually have three of the widows today, including Georgia Bunn, um, who lost uh, her husband, Eric, in February 2016. So three of them became widows in 2016. They joined the 700,000 women that year. But Debbie uh, witnessed her husband's cardiac arrest in October 2016. It was unexpected. It left her numb, confused, and afraid for the future. And I, I really encourage her to write about it because she tells such an incredible story about it. She really should write about it. Uh, however, Debbie's career, her family, her friends, her physical fitness workout regimen became her focal points to inspire her to move forward, to cre- create an amazing and wonderful second chapter of her life. Her faith in God, knowing that he, God, is in charge of her new path, gives her the strength Debbie is also a realtor in the Scottsdale, Phoenix, Paradise Valley areas of Arizona with Russ Lyon Realty International. She's a stepmom to two amazing adult children. She's grandma to two beautiful little girls and to two fantastic nephews, and she's involved in volunteer work in the community. So thank you, my dear sisters, for being here today. I gave you some questions to ponder because I would love to hear what you think, and I know our listeners are, are interested you know, we've just had Valentine's Day this week, and it can be bittersweet. How how was it for you that day? Anybody volunteer how, how it went for you? Nancy? Uh, well, I want to uh, thank you, first of all, for having us, because this is uh, such a, a gift in, in many ways to, for myself. So to be able to talk and share about about love and, and about Angelo and, and our story. So uh, I have just wonderful memories of Valentine's Day. So I don't really at this point really get so sad anymore. Um, I'm going on six years or we're going on six years. So I have such beautiful memories. The love just remains. It just doesn't, it doesn't go away. So it's really just good memories of of love. So that's That's wonderful. How about you, Debbie? I think I'm the same as Nancy. Uh, This was the first year that I didn't really think as much about it. But I think I've shifted my concept of love, not necessarily needing to always be a man in my life, but to know that Valentine's Day is also just love of my family, my friends, my career, and my life. So I actually did okay, but this was definitely the first year that I was okay being home by myself. Which is a wonderful thing. What a great growth. How about you, Sandra? How was Valentine's Day for you? It was really beautiful because I spent it with all of you guys, <laughs> gals. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, when I when I was alone on the day and I reflected back, I realized that on that day I was watching my Mel die. Yeah. And that was a very poignant moment for me. Um, some tears flowed out of my eyes, but I quickly realized that he was no longer trapped in his physical body from that stroke. Um and we spent Valentine's Day last year 
um, laying in our bed. He couldn't move. And so he said, could you please feed me a Valentine's dinner? And I said, mm-hmm. sure. And I had to puree some food for him. And he literally lifted his hands up to the air and he said, thank you, God, for my wife who has loved me through all of this. And he said, I'm ready to go be with you. And he had always said that over the past year, but it's very, it's very moving to think that it was only, you know, in five days he would have been gone. So it it sounds like he was ready. He was. We're going to take a quick break here and then come back to Sandra, Nancy, and Debbie as we talk about Valentine's Day and our love of our husbands, the fact that love never dies. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls. Have your Kleenex handy, but also have a smile handy because there's some humor here as well. So quick break and come on back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Our special toast, uh, special, I'm choked up because this is so emotional for me. Our special <laughs> show today is, is about Valentine's Day, but really the essence is about love and our love for our husbands as we are widows here gathered to talk about how love never dies. And when we realize the population of widows out there, there are about 13.6 million widows and 700,000 new widows every year. That's a growing number. That's a huge population of people. They were saying the average age of widows is 55. If you see a widow, if you see a woman who's over 65, half of women over 65 are widows. So it's a very powerful group. And I always, whenever I see a couple, I always think, well, sooner or later, one of you will be left alone. So how are you going to get through this? And I, my hope is that today 
uh, what we share as widows will help somebody out there with their bereavement and, and moving on and moving forward. We've all experienced losing our husbands in this group. We all grieve in a personal way. My question to my widow sisters is, how long ago did you lose your husband? And what was becoming a widow like for you? Debbie? Well, my husband died unexpectedly in the middle of the night. And so I guess, you know, you always think, like you said, that at some point in time, one of you will pass on and the other will be there, but you just don't expect it to happen in that moment. So I was really afraid. My biggest thing was fear, and I changed the locks on my house. I mean, I did everything. I even had my parents stay with me for a long time because I was so used to him and me. We were always together, and he was always my protector and my rock. So for me, I think it was I didn't drive at night. <laughs> I mean, I, I really stopped my world for a little bit. And I think the biggest thing for me is I tried to keep my world exactly like it was when he was alive. I tried to, like, do the landscaping, clean the pool, clean the house. I was running his company. Yeah. Um, just everything about it was trying to keep it constant and normal in a world that was no longer normal and was completely upside down. Um, so I think for me that that was probably the biggest shock is um, – I got myself really worn down because I kept trying to make it be exactly how it was, and I, I couldn't. You know, women grieve in different ways. You know, I've heard people say, don't make any drastic changes. Don't sell your house. Don't do this for the first three months. And I, I couldn't do that. I needed to, to adapt. I needed to do something different. It was just too painful. Mm -hmm. How about you, Nancy? You had some time, but even then, you know, as he was preparing to die with his chemo. Yeah, because even though... Uh, we had an idea of it was coming. It was still, uh, it was still such an unreal thing. So I think the, it was it was an alternate reality that I didn't really know how to, how to get through. I had never really been alone. I had never lived alone. Um, fear was a huge part of it. Uh, I can remember crazy. I mean, just sort of crazy things when you just said. Um, something about, you know, not wanting to drive alone. I remember just not wanting to even eat alone because I thought, well, what if I choke and, and there's nobody here to, to, to do that. So um, I, I, we had somewhat of a traditional type marriage. He was a financial planner, so I had never paid a bill. I had never taken out trash. It was just all of these things that I had to really learn how to do. And... Um, I also needed to get out of our home pretty quickly because it was just too emotional to be there, sell a business, buy a home. Uh, I, did, I did things that I never, ever imagined I would need to do or even knew how to do. So, so the beginning of widowhood was overwhelming and scary and sad and painful. And then you find this strength along the way uh, that you had no idea you had. And it's a very, and has become a very empowering thing over the years. So, What amazes me about widows, the journey, is you go from we to me. All, I mean, all you identify. And so not only he died, but part of you died and your life died. But the hardest thing is navigating we to me. And I look at Sandra. Sandra is our, our new one, our young one here. And you've already seen that. It's going from we to me. Yes, that was the most difficult because you're used to having that person around, as, as we've all said, and I thought I would be ready for it. And in some ways I was because he had died, you know, after struggling with the repercussions of a stroke for five years. But the reality of them being gone, absent, it is, it's, it's such a feeling and I agree with the fear. Like, I barricaded my door closed at night because mm -hmm. just having a man in the house was so, um, you know, wonderful to have. But what I thought was interesting is how my friends reacted to that. They didn't know what to do with me. And that's what's so beautiful about this group of sisters that have become widows because they they almost were like, I had one friend tell me, you're like a ship without an udder. You're like going in so many directions. And not that I disagree with that, but... Nobody knows what that's like until they're in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you could look back, if you could, if you could talk to you 
when you were newly widowed a year you know you go back a year ago after he died and you and Nancy and Debbie go back six years ago if you could talk to yourself what would you tell yourself about where you are now oh well I would tell myself that I'm going to be okay because I really wasn't sure if I was going to be okay so yeah. I would continue to just reassure that you know I'm I'm going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I would say that I you need to breathe and you need to be with the emotions and accept the grief. I can say that everybody kept saying, oh, you're so strong. You're doing so well. And it's because I buried myself in my work and my career. And I would stay at my office at night by myself and cry when everybody else was going home to their families because I didn't want to go home and sit in my house by myself. Yeah. So I just sit at my desk and I think the biggest thing that we all do is we avoid it. We buffer. We yeah. do things to um, think that we're not going through it. And I did that for almost three years. And finally, two years ago, I decided to get counseling. Mm -hmm. And one, it was the first time that I ever got to realize that I am not the only one in the world. And I stopped being a victim. Mm -hmm. And I started to be, I'm a woman who just lost her husband. And I need to face the fact that I need to grieve. So I think that's the most important thing is to accept it and acknowledge it, acknowledge it because it's not going to go away. Time does not heal. The only thing that heals is being with your emotions and feelings. And you know what? When you are, it means you're alive. Yeah. Yes. Amen to that. You, yes. you brought up a good point, bereavement. A lot of us, I recommend mm -hmm. I did. I went for several sessions with a friend who's a bereavement counselor. And I urge any widow, widower, go get some help. Talk to somebody who can really help you through that and give your permission, give yourself permission to grieve. One of my gifts to widows is I give them, I give them Joan Didion's book, who Joan Didion has passed, um, The Year of Magical Thinking. I give them Dave Rico's book, Five True Things, and I give them a circular box, a Kleenex to put in their cup holder because that's when I cry. I cry in my car when nobody's there. I listen to music, I sob, I talk to John, and I cry every single day. I've never cried more in my entire life. I'm sick and tired of it. But you know what? But it's happy tears because you have great memories of the love you had. And so it touches you in so many beautiful ways. Right? Yes. No, it, the crying, Connie, I know all of us agree, it means you loved in the most powerful yeah. way. Yeah. And that grief, it, people say grief, um, will go away or maybe it'll get easier, but grief will last as long as love does, and it's forever. The only thing is um, it's an ebb and a flow. It's a constant dance of sorrow and joy and pain and sweet love, and we embrace that because they were wonderful men in our lives. What got each of you through? What, can you name three things that you would say really helped you get through? You know, Sandra, the first year, and then Debbie and Nancy, the, the past six years, that really, obviously, counseling helps, but what, what are the three things you think really help that our listeners would, would benefit from when they go through this? Well, obviously, my career helped a lot, but I've learned to manage it and balance it so that instead of it being a buffer, it's actually just part of who I am. Um, I would say my working out and my tennis, and that's very, very important. And then the last thing is really my family and my friends, especially my mom and dad. Oh, you're so blessed. Yeah, I would. I would agree with the counseling piece. The first year, Hospice of the Valley provided ongoing support for myself and my children, and that was a huge, huge piece. So I would. I used to go every week, my first year, because I just needed to cry, and I would go through one or two boxes of tissues. Her name was Anne. I adored her. She was just a huge support, and I would encourage everybody to do that, even. When you think, oh, I don't need to, I don't have anything to say, you don't need to say anything. Sometimes you just need to go and cry mm -hmm. and understand grief because it shows its head in such crazy ways. Um, and she would just encourage me to just feel, like you said, Debbie, just feel your thing. You have to feel the pain. You, you can't numb it. You can't go around it. And you really have to go through it. So I would encourage that. And my first year, I didn't know what to do, like, at night. And so every night, really every single night, I took a bath. And I got into the bathtub. And it started out as having nothing else to do. And then it just turned into this 
every single night of lavender bubbles and self-care and really taking care of myself because that's what we have to do. I mean, we have to really take care of ourselves and mentally, spiritually, physically. So that is a huge thing I would encourage everybody. Nighttime is the hardest. Mm -hmm. It is. It's the most difficult. When it's quiet, everybody is gone, including that amazing presence and that power of that man. And that was the most difficult time. And I started going to sleep really early Mm -hmm. because of that. Mm -hmm. But um, I I would agree that counseling is vital. Um, But faith, I think all of us would say that. Mm Praying and being okay at sometimes screaming with tears rolling down your face and saying, God, I am in so much pain. I didn't know it could hurt this much. And then he brings beautiful people into our lives. And I prayed, I begged, please bring the right people. And he brought every single one of you. And I'll never forget when I saw Dr. Connie's face on the back of a book at a jewelry store in Scottsdale. I said, I have to meet her. And that's how we met. And that's how you get through with all of you. I think a higher power does it. Yes. Because <laughs> that's how we met. And then yes. instantly thought, oh, my gosh, you meet Georgia, who, we, yes. you know, you share that. But I walked into Tony Lacombe's um, studio to get my hair done, and I met Nancy. And if she goes, you know, we're talking about widows. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at her. And we talked. And it was just <laughs> – and then I said, we got to come to my party. And then we talked about that. And then I went back to Tony. She was how many times to get my hair colored. And then I, I looked at Tony. I said, oh, I, I bet – what is it? You, you got another widow for me? She goes, well, in fact, I do. I have Debbie. I said, I can't believe this. <laughs> And then I find out the two of you, Nancy and Debbie, live near each other. You've never met. Yeah. And we go to the same gym, and now we work out oh sometimes gosh. together. But I really think, you know, I think there's no, without a doubt, our husband put us together. Yes. I mean, yes. I move into this new unit in my high-rise, and right across the hall mm-hmm. is Jerry Wolf, who lost her husband a year prior. I mean, another widow who mm-hmm. helps her birthday next month. She turns 85. So she's a senior member. And then another patient of mine lost her husband, Susie, and... So you you wind up like, where did these people go? I mean, there is a reason you meet them, to guide and inspire you and touch your life and and not be alone. And, you know, going from we to me is hard. And I think one of the things I talked about the pandemic is it was the gift that I was forced to stay home. I wasn't distracted by constant traveling, getting all over the place. Um, I think what kept me going was my, my practice. People need me. I can't just quit. And... And realizing how blessed I was that I, you know, I have patients, thank God nobody got COVID, didn't die from COVID, but people are dying from other things like cancer among my patients and being with them. And, but really realizing it's not my time to leave this world. I can't, you know, decide, oh, I don't want to be part of this anymore. But being there for them, being needed is important, but also having wonderful children. My sons have been wonderful, their wives, my grandchildren you know, to, to to lighten things up and make you laugh. But in the end, it's my friends. It's you. It's my girlfriends. It's it's Georgia, you know, Nancy, Debbie, Sandra, you know, the whole girls in the hood. I, I laugh. It's the girls in the widowhood because they lift you up. You know, oh, man, she, she totally knows. She totally gets this. She's tired of wearing black all the time, as widows do. And she gets the whole widow thing completely. So we're going to pause for another break. I, I told my, my guests that this hour is the fastest they'll ever experience. Uh, a quick break and then come back and to hear more about Love Never Dies. So stay tuned for more on House Calls. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought... 
Which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You can like and comment on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Facebook page. This is the place to get and share advice from some of the best leaders on the planet. Get started today by searching for Voice America Empowerment or click the like button under the player today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. You know, we're talking about widowhood among my widow sisters here on the theme of love never dies. And we have some amazing role models in the world. I mean, probably what number one widow is Queen Elizabeth, who stiff up her lip, widow, and continues to work, uh, takes care of the family, all that. We, you know, you, you look at the people who have gone ahead of us as, as widows, uh, having been at the White House, Jackie Kennedy, right? Mm-hmm. We think of Jackie mm-hmm. Kennedy and, and, when her husband was assassinated. And then I just remember my mother's outrage when she married Aristotle Anassas. So, you know, I think Debbie was just talking about how, you know, we were talking rec- behind, you know, during the break, how people come up and goes, oh, you, you'll be over, you'll, you'll get over this pretty quick. I mean, he's been gone two years, you should move on. I was like, you have no idea. No. I'll never get over this, right? You'll, life goes on. But what are people telling you about you know, time to move on. Are you dating yet? It's been two, you know, it's been six years. You should be dating right away. You should be getting married again. And, uh, you know, what's up with you? <laughs> or or why are you dating? Like, you know, you've been, he's been gone a year. Why are you dating, Sandra? Why are you, I mean, yeah. thoughts about this? Well, I definitely have thoughts about this. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, actually met a guy eight months after my husband died, uh, incidentally on a plane between here and California. And we dated for two and a half years. And I know that there were whispers behind the scenes that it was too soon and you know, and everything that goes along with that. And I think that it's really hard because I don't think anybody has – there's no specific timeline. And there's not even a, a method in which you go through grief. There's all different stages and you can hit it at any different time. And sometimes you go between all the stages. But I will say that in my incident, in my instance, I think I dated too soon, but it was – exactly the right time, mm-hmm. right? It, it was almost like an extension of my marriage, unfortunately, because I just wanted to continue to be married and keep everything the same. Great guy. He was on a different path than me, um, but it helped me learn a lot. And then when we ended it two and a half years later, the grief smacked me straight in the face and right when we went into COVID. So for the past two years, I've stayed away from a relationship because in that relationship, I saw a lot of the same things that happened in my marriage, things that I was good at and bad at, and things that I had to take accountability for. So I've actually stepped back and not been dating in the past two years because I realized that I need to fill my own voids and become complete with who I am and okay and comfortable in my own skin and being with myself and by myself. And once I do that, then I can open myself up to inviting somebody in to enhance and expand on my life. And so for me, I that's just the place that I'm in right now. But that relationship was perfect because 
it was insight into who I was as a person, even though I had no idea that that's what was happening in the moment. You know, a lot of business people put alerts out that you don't put you're a widow, you just put you're a single woman, unmarried woman, <clears throat> because people take advantage of widows. They think you're vulnerable. They're going to take advantage of you financially. They'll say, here, let me take over and emotionally. And so they always warn you, be careful, people mm-hmm. out there. But you're right. It's your journey. You had to learn certain things to get to the point where you're comfortable. And there's no time set. There's no, okay, after this many months or years, this is okay. There's not. You yeah. decide what works for you. As I mentioned earlier, I think we need a whole podcast on dating after this whole period of time. But um, I think it's just such a personal thing. And I met Angelo at 20, so I had never really been on a date. And so it was important for me to sort of just learn how to go on a date. And I, I did that. I would just go on dates and just see how, you know, I was. And it was a huge, huge learning curve. So um, that's just part of getting to know who, who I was. Because no matter your marriage, a great marriage and not great, whatever it was, you you lose part of yourself. You don't know who you who you are now through the pain, through the grief. Who who have you come through this as? So it's a huge part of learning. So I think I think the dating piece is a, is a big part of that for a lot of men and women. Um, and and there's more to that. Yeah, it'll be another podcast. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. How about you, Sandra? I really like what you were all saying at the break of how it's very um, disheartening when people who know us and love us say, well, you know, sooner or later it's going to get easier. And I'm here to say very unequivocally, it does not get easier. And um, But what does happen is we meet people like we have in this room who help us. And I'm just going to read something really fast. This is what you help us do, the ones, the widows in the hood. Mm-hmm. We start to call that girl back, the girl who loved living, the girl who danced instead of walking, the girl who had sunflowers for eyes and fireworks in her soul. We start playing music again and hoping she will come out. We start looking for beautiful moments to experience so she would feel safe enough to show herself because we know that she is in there and she needs our kindness and our effort to come to the surface again. And that's what you guys have done for me. So you know what? Bring on the dating. Bring on whatever because we've got each other's backs. <laughs> but, you know, you got to realize you're not cheating on your husband. <laughs> he's, he's in another place. For those who believe in woo-woo and the afterlife, and uh, I've had dear friends who are mediums, and, you know, some of the things that I've seen and Sandra's seen and, and probably, you know, many widows have seen these little messages. I call them kisses from heaven. Yes. And one of the things I'll share, this past weekend, Sandra and I were up in Sedona, and we were scattering a little bit of Mel, a little bit of John, up at a mountaintop under this beautiful tree. And as we were walking up to that site, nobody was around. Uh, a yellow butterfly came out, and a white butterfly came out. And as we were scattering our, our husbands at the base of this tree and weeping, the butterflies circled us, yes. these two butterflies. And then the birds were noisy, and then all of a sudden this beautiful bluebird appeared and landed on the older part of the tree, the part that looked dead. And then there was another bluebird, but he was over towards the side in the air, flying around, ready to land. So if you look at symbolism, right, Mm -hmm. what is the butterfly's rebirth? And then bluebirds, I think, symbolize joy, happiness, hope. But notice that the bluebird was in the dead part. So that's the guy on the other side across the veil, and perhaps there's another one. And there's no harm in thinking about that. And none of your friends can say, you're not supposed to do this. You know, your husband died. It's not like in some traditions long time ago in antiquity where the husband's body is being burned and you're supposed to, as a widow, throw your body over his and die. And life goes on, and you have to ask yourself, that's your relationship with God and your soul, and what am I meant to do in this life? Uh, I don't have a partner with me who was was supposed to be with me, but he moved on. And what do you want me to do? And it's it's your relationship with yourself, right? You had somebody who was so close to you, and many of us, as the case of Nancy, very young. All you I mean your identity was all that. That that girl is gone. She's moved on, and we're all different people. We'll never be the same. You know, once once that love that that person is out, that part of you has moved on to another mm-hmm. person. 
So you become stronger without a doubt. If you can survive this, you can survive anything. If you, you can think of the most painful thing, would this not be the most painful thing? Um, what advice would you give to widows who are listening? Or, and, and actually, I call them, you know, one of the books I write is about widowhood. We have widows in waiting, widows in training, you know, and then we have wannabe widows who aren't happy and they would love to be widows. That, you know, but you know, we don't advocate they kill their husbands, but they would sort of have widow envy. But there are widows in training who, whose husbands are ill and they're taking care of them. They know the day is going to come that they will also be widows. What advice would you give them now? I, you know, it's so hard, but I, I think I have to go back to being with your feelings and emotions because I think that all of your thoughts create that. And I think that, and I've learned through a lot of my own therapy and coaching with my, my widow mom who taught us is when you have an emotion, be with it because when you resist it, it persists. And they always say if it resists, if you resist, it persists. And so you definitely want to try to just let it pass and it passes quicker when you have your connection with that emotion. Yeah. Don't suppress it. And and going from two to one, you you don't have that person to bounce everything off of. Just huge decisions you have to make and just little things during the day. You just don't have that other person. So you know, you're gonna hear advice and you're going to read things and I think I would encourage you to take everything in and just keep what makes sense for you what feels right for you and tr just learn to begin to trust yourself because trusting ourselves is just and it's just been, it's really really important to figure that out so I agree I, I would just add to that um, you know that uh, be gentle to yourself be kind don't listen to all the voices coming from all the directions and savor every moment as if it were the last day. I was married to an older man who was 28 years older than me, and so I tended to do that because I knew time was of the essence. But as I faced being a widow and I sat in that house, that, that house that felt so big and empty, I decided I was looking at the staircase one day and I said, you know what, I'm going to just focus on the step in front of me and not the whole staircase. And I would just encourage just one moment at a time. That's a great metaphor mm -hmm. to do that. It's really one step at a time getting through everything because everything changes. It will never be the same. And you've changed in so many ways. You're a whole different person, a whole different identity. Yes. Is there, is you, can you name one gift that you've received from being a widow that you've gained? What are the gifts of widowhood? I mean, I ha I think I have a whole different like lens on life because I just value time here on this earth. This is a gift we get, and it's a gift. And I don't know how much time I have, and I want it to be with people that I genuinely want to be with and doing things that are meaningful to me and having fun again and getting excited again and really just the the value and appreciation of life is really what one of the things that widowhood has brought to me. Mine is compassion. I think that I got so wrapped up being on the hamster wheel while you're married and you're just doing life and you don't really pay attention to it or people. So I think that being more compassionate has helped with my relationships with my parents, my family, my friends, my career and has been life-altering. What do you sound Um, You know, I would just say that, um, you know, I, um, I just feel so grateful that the relationships that, that came into my life after, that, that was a miracle that I didn't expect. I thought here I sat in a home for five years, you know, taking care of a person, and I'm not going to have a life. It's going to take me years to rebuild my life. And it happened so quickly. So believe in the magic of miracles because they'll happen. And they'll happen faster mm -hmm. than you can imagine. And like Psalms 23 says, that the Lord guides us. He's our shepherd. He will give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Yeah. And I've seen that happen. Yeah. When you look back, I mean, in studio now, we I asked them to bring 
photographs of their husbands and we reminisce. And I think one of the biggest gifts is the ability to remember. It's painful. It's sort of a blessing and a curse because when you remember, you miss them. But if you can just hold on to those beautiful memories because nobody will take those away from you as long as you live. You know the memory of of the happy times and some of the sad, but really the happy times and what it felt to be so deeply loved and to have loved so deeply somebody that you would never think it would be possible again. But still, just to know that they are still alive in this life as long as you remember them. Uh, I, I still I still talk to John all the time, and he, you know, he he responds in other ways. So he is always with me in my conversation, and and without a doubt, I mean, loud and clear, and and the different things. And your husbands still stay alive in different ways, and they guide. You know, you have to believe that. You know, I see it in patients who've passed on, and the stories I hear from their spouses that you really need to just embrace that. And this is your journey. You have to believe that that guy who's moved on loved you so much that you're worthy of being that loved. You, you should love yourself as you go from we to me. And I think that's the hardest thing. You talk about being alone. For me, the hardest thing is after a day in clinic, getting in my car and driving mm-hmm. home when yes. there's nobody home. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like, well, there's nobody there. Yeah. And so I had to move to some place where there's a little bit more signs of life and and I have to form new memories. Yes. You just have to form those new memories. He's still there in a lot of ways, but you form them on your own in a different version. So I want to thank you for being here as part of the show and, and sharing your experience and your wisdom, because I think that really means so much to the people listening to just put that away when the time comes and when they encounter widows and to be a little bit more sensitive but also when they go through their own journey, because it's very personal, but to know that they are not alone and that when people lose a loved one, that you can reach out and say, is there anything I can do? And just be there for them. That's the most important thing that helps. But thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Debbie. And thank you, Georgia, as our our silent member here, sharing this for listening in. And But also thank you for sharing your heart and your love for our men, for our husbands who have moved on, who are our angels. Our angels look out for us and they guide us. So, And thank you listeners for listening into House Calls. We'll come back next month for another show. And I'll invite the, the girls in the hood to come back at another time for a great show. So have a wonderful month. Sending you love and blessings. And remember, love never dies. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.